Pure Dog Talk is the voice of purebred dogs. We talk to the legends of the sport and give you the tips and tools to create an awesome life with your purebred dog. From showing to preservation breeding, from competitive obedience to field work, from agility to therapy dogs, and all the fun in between, your passion is our purpose. Pure Dog Talk is proudly sponsored by Trupanion, medical insurance for pets. With over 1 billion, with a B, in claims paid, Trupanion has you covered. Whether you're a dedicated breeder, a loving owner, or both. Trupanion is also the first pet insurance provider to offer a special breeding rider that you can add to your coverage. That way, you know your dogs are covered from common health concerns associated with breeding and whelping, like emergency C-sections, for example. Learn more about all of the perks that Trupanion offers breeders by following the link on my partner page at puredogtalk.com. Welcome to Pure Dog Talk. I am your host, Laura Reeves, and today we have part two of our episode talking with my friend, Amanda Kelly of Waggle Toy Manchester Terriers, and we are going to talk about owner handlers. You know, the other one, Amanda, that I really think is important, and it goes back to the you have one job and you said it, have fun with your dog. Mm-hmm. We are at the dog show. We are not curing cancer. We are not solving world peace. The game is made up and the points don't matter. Have fun. Nobody's breeding ribbons. God, is that a thing? That would be a good thing, I feel. I'm saying (laughs) people, (laughs) man, she's on a tear today, y'all. People, we're not breeding to a ribbon. Yes. We're breeding to a dog. And it is a dog show. And there is another one tomorrow, literally tomorrow. And so go have fun with your dog. It's your dog. You're going home with it. You love it best no matter what. That's right. And I know people get sick of hearing this, but the difference that that makes in your attitude and your presentation and your dog's attitude is what makes you win. Oh my gosh. Yes. You know, there is nothing more eye-catching than looking in the ring and seeing a dog that is having a good time. And a handler having a good time. And maybe the dog isn't standing perfectly. Maybe it's got one foot out in the wrong place or whatever. But I guarantee you that if that dog is having a good time, it has better posture. Yes. It has better expression. It's holding its shape and its outline, regardless of whether every foot is where it needs to be. It is a more attractive dog to look at than the perfect statue at the end of the line. Yes. One of the great tools that you can use to capture that and really see it for yourself is to videotape yourself. Cell phones. Come on, guys. Built-in video. So easy. And it is so imperative that you see yourself because showing dogs is just about making pictures. That's all that we do when we go in the ring. We make a picture on this mat and then we make a hopefully nice picture as we move around the ring and then we get on the table and we make another picture and then we do the down and back, we make another picture. And in all those photos, the handler's job is to frame the artwork that is the dog. That's right. But you don't know what that picture looks like if no one's ever shown you. So there's tips and tricks 
that seems silly that will make a huge difference in your training. From the time my puppies are six weeks old, I practice with them in front of a mirror because in my breed, I want to have a free bait. I find often uh, easiest to get them to work if I start with them in front of me. Always. But when you're in front, you can't necessarily see what they look like from the side. Yes. So you need to have a mirror and it's a simple thing. You know, sometimes I just use the mirrors that are on the front of my closet doors. Like we're not talking, you know, having a beautiful room with complete mirrors. I have one mirror out in the dog room that is so filthy and, you know, it sits in the corner, right? So it gets dusty or the dogs spit and shake their heads, you know, whatever it is. And the other day I was, I mean, this is a perfect example. I was grooming up a young bitch that I was getting ready for an event. And I wanted a picture of her in profile by myself. Well, the only way you can do that is in the mirror. Mm -hmm. So you stack her up, you go in front, lean over, take the picture. Well, I forgot to clean the mirror. (laughs) So here's this incredibly beautiful photo of this incredibly beautiful dog that I cannot show to anyone. Because (laughs) the mirror is so filthy. Exactly. Yeah. But, you know, as far as pictures go, you also need to think about yourself in that equation. What am I doing? Am I leaning over top of my dog? What's my posture look like? Yes. Those little details are what make the difference. Get up, stand up. If you have one little thing that rings in your head, get up, stand up. Get up, stand up. Now that's an interesting thing because I often teach people with small dogs how to get down with them correctly. I know that sounds weird. No, that's absolutely correct. So there's two things. I'm talking, get up, stand up. I'm talking about your posture, your posture when you're moving, keep your back straight, have your shoulders back. You're so much nicer than me because in class, I just tell the ladies to shake what their mama gave them. There you go. Work the moneymaker, sister. (laughs) My point is get up, stand up is an easy thing to stick in their head. Yes. But if you have a toy dog and I've used this I've seen you use it. Mm -hmm. The idea of being able to kneel in front of them. Yeah. I've actually used it successfully with large dogs, depending on the breed, the sporting dogs, particularly, I love to be able to go down and just hold the head and sort of disappear. And I talk about this when I talk to people about sight hounds, anyone who ever saw Ray Brenly show a deer hound, I don't know if you did, but Ray Brenly is a very famous deer hound guy down here. And he had a particular dog that I remember watching him show at a very impressionable age in my life. And it was a good sized male and Ray's not a small guy, but he would go down behind this dog and hold the leash in his left hand and the dog's chin just barely balanced on his index finger. Mm -hmm. And he literally disappeared until that dog, all you could see was that beautiful make and shape of that dog. Well, and I love that you brought that up, Laura, because I think that one of the best ways of figuring out what picture you want to make in the ring is to choose handlers who present dogs in a way that you appreciate. So you can do that really easily. Start with Westminster videos or maybe your national video. Watch it. Pick out someone who you think is the whole package and then look at what they're doing. What are the little detailed pieces that make the difference in your mind that you appreciate. And it could be something huge, you know, like how they free bait a dog or whatever, or it could be something really tiny, like, as you said, how they hold a lead or a head or whatever it may be. And I will tell you, it doesn't matter what 
level you're playing at in the sport. All of us do it. I mean, I have favorite handlers. I think that Stacey Threlfall, mm-hmm. she is one of the most beautiful handlers. You know, she goes in there with these beautiful dogs who just look like giant Manchesters in a different color. And she makes a picture. Yes. And so for me, every time I get to see her, I think, oh God, I like how she does this. So I'm going to try that when I go home. Right. How they set a foot, how they tilt a head, how they use their hands. That's right. I talk a lot about in my handling classes, pretty hands. Right. Pretty hands are so important. And what your hand looks like on the leash is evocative of a very specific picture. And it's either strength or elegance or whatever is your pinky up. How you hold your hands should convey the overall picture that you are attempting to frame. Exactly. You know, fake it till you make it is the best approach to handling in a lot of ways. (laughs) I always tell people that if you get in the ring and everything doesn't go exactly the way that you were planning, just roll with it and pretend that that was exactly. I meant to do that. (laughs) That's exactly what you meant to happen. Totally meant to do that. Most of the time, people won't even notice. You know, that's a thing. Let's talk about real quick from an owner handler perspective. A lot of what I see when I talk to people in my classes or I watch people ringside, it is a version of stage fright. They cannot concentrate on what they know how to do with their dog because people are looking at them. Nobody's looking at you. Nobody's looking at you. (laughs) I swear to God, no one is looking at you. They do not care about you. They just don't. No. But it is hard to kind of get that across. Yeah. I'm a person who actually suffered from debilitating stage fright. I used to sing when I was in high school and I did a huge concert once. There was about a thousand people there and I got halfway through the song and forgot the words. And I've never been able to perform since. I just, I can't. So I empathize with the terror that kind of goes with that for some people. I really do. I think that the only way around that is to practice it so many times that you stop thinking about it. Yes. So I always like to look at junior handling as sort of an example of teaching yourself things. And inspiration most of the time. (laughs) That's right. So for example, you see juniors, they have to do all of these weird patterns that no one in the history of the world is ever going to be asked to do since Dale Simmons died. Yes. And Don Buxbaum, they're both gone. And that's right. The reason that they do it is because, well, for a number of reasons, you know, kind of throws the dog off a little, throws the handler off, blah, 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 lots of things. But for new people, one of the things that I find they struggle with the most is the lead. Just the act of gathering up the lead and having it in their hand, which you and I don't even think about anymore. I mean, never in the past 20 years have I thought about my lead. But when you start, your lead is a huge thing. Like, oh, I have to gather it up and it's fallen out of my hand. And it becomes this sort of central wrestling match focus that you really have to think about. And so when you do things like tease or different patterns where you have to switch hands a lot, you're moving your lead back and forth from one hand to another. You're gathering it, you're regathering it. You suddenly, without realizing it, stop thinking about the lead and you start thinking about something else. Well, that's the entirety of learning how to handle. You just move from worrying about one thing to worrying about the next thing because you've mastered the other thing that you used to worry about. Now you don't think about it anymore. And I can tell you, 
I've shown my breed, I don't know, 35 years. I mean, I still have a thought process when I'm in there. I'm not thinking about my lead, but I'm thinking about things like, when is the judge watching the dogs in the lineup? And how do I stand so that I have the right angle? You know, so I'm showing the profile that I want to show. Or how do I get this dog to stop shivering because it's so cold? (laughs) Whatever. Whatever the case may be. What was that? You said exhibiting a comma? Oh my God, that was beautiful. That's right. Manchester's in the golden room. (laughs) Hang tight, guys. Got a little bit of information for you. We'll be right back to the podcast in a minute. All right, guys, are you planning your next litter of puppies now that you've finished your owner-breeder handle, bitch? If so, the Embark for Breeders DNA Kit can give you the genetic health test results you need to make the right decisions for your breeding program. As the highest rated and most accurate dog DNA kit on the market, thousands of breeders have trusted Embark, including me, to enhance their breeding program through screening for breed-specific genetic conditions, understanding traits, and identifying genetic diversity. Breeder tools include an easy-to-share OFA submission report, as well as understanding the potential coefficient of inbreeding in your projected litter. To save on the most accurate, most comprehensive dog DNA kit, visit EmbarkVet.com backslash breeders and use code PUREDOGTALK to enjoy $20 off each kit in your order. That's EmbarkVet.com backslash breeders and use code PUREDOGTALK. Their world-class scientists and veterinary geneticists are standing by. You just brought up a really important one, Amanda, and I really did want to touch base on this one. Ring awareness is another one of those areas. And it's a difference, but again, every single thing we're talking to you about that says the professional handler is more successful than the owner handler because of X, it doesn't say the owner handler can't learn to do X exactly and do it as well or better than the professional handler. You know, we've talked a lot about handling and about training. Grooming is another piece. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot to learn. There's no question that there's a lot to learn. And I think you have to recognize that those are the things you have to learn if you want to play with the big boys. But they're all doable because every single solitary person that is in the ring that you have watched, that you've admired, all started off not knowing any of it. That's right. That's exactly right. And we all started somewhere. Mm -hmm. Super important. Every professional handler you see, even if they were a handler's kid, they still had to go out there and do it the first time. That's right. As many as these handlers would like to tell you they were born with a leash in their hand, they actually weren't. So, you know, everybody learns everybody starts somewhere. And if the handler can learn to do it successfully, so can you. It just means you have to come up with ways to make it to the 10,000 reps, to make it muscle memory, to make it something you don't think about so you can focus on the next thing that's important to think about. Most of all, more than anything else that we have ever talked about in this interview or at any point in time about any subject that has to do with the sport of purebred dogs, whether you're talking about breeding or anything, the most important thing you have to do is believe. You have to believe that you can do it. If you don't believe that you can do it, then you're defeated before you've even started. You know, I have had the supreme pleasure of teaching some really talented handlers who all they needed was someone to reassure them that they're doing it right, that they're doing the right thing. 
So if you take anything away from this conversation, I hope it is the knowledge that it's possible to do it. You know, we started this off and I expressed my ambivalence about the topic of equality. You know, there's no question that there are inequalities in the system. I think if we pretend that there aren't any, you know, that's life. There's inequalities everywhere. To say that advertising your dog doesn't work would be kind of silly considering how many magazines there are and how much we spend on advertising. Clearly, it does make a difference or people would cease to do it. Mm -hmm. But every single day at every show across America, across the world, people like me, people like you, people like those who are listening are successful. You just have to make a plan, as you said before, make a plan, plan to learn, manage your expectations so that you're picking goals that work and are realistic. And I would encourage you to go one step further and make sure that the goals that you set for yourself are achievable goals that have nothing to do with who the judge points at. Yes. Because if your only measure of success is whether or not you won a point or whatever, you're doomed. You are doomed. But if your measure of success is, I want to go in that ring and I want my dog to do X or I want to remember to hold my elbow in against my body and not have a flail around, you know, whatever it may be, it needs to be something that's within your control. And I guarantee you that if you go at it with that attitude and you adjust your idea of winning and losing, you will have more fun. You will have more fun. And if you have more fun, you will win more. Right. That's a fact. When I die, someday I'll be dead and gone long from this life. If anybody remembers me, which I feel would be weird, but anyway, if they do, what I would want to be remembered as is a person who showed happy dogs that were having a good time. Yeah. The dogs don't enter themselves at the dog show. That's right. And when people take it out on the dog, it's not the dog's fault. It's your fault. Sorry. Yeah. And it's not fair. That's another one we talk about when we're training dogs. Only fair. Fair is very important when we train dogs. Yeah, well, if a dog can't do a behavior, it's because it either hasn't learned it or there is something that is preventing it from doing that behavior in the environment that you're in. We all have training challenges. Even the ones who claim to be experts still have training challenges. And so I think that's important to realize. If you're kind of watching people and you're thinking, God, I really love how they show their dog or whatever, you know, they still have challenges. Mm -hmm. I think what you're trying to say, Amanda, and I think what is important here for people to hear, whether it's an owner handler, professional handler, who it is, anybody can run into a snag. Anybody can overcome a snag. That's right. And there's people to go to for help. There are people who are just great at stuff. I mean, I have different friends that are really great at different things. And so having a network of people that you can call yes, and ask a question and say, you know, what do you think I should do about X, Y, Z? Collect a few different opinions. Think about what you think might work with your dog. Try some things. See what works. Every dog is different. So what worked for dog A may not work for dog B. Right. Go to your network for help and rely on them for support. This is a good one. 
build a network, Mm -hmm. build a network. Do not be friends just with people in your breed. That's a whole nother topic for a whole nother day. Frequently that can be problematic. So, you know, build a network, get to be friends. If you have toy Manchester Terriers, your best friend could just as easily be someone with St. Bernard's. Absolutely. No, my best girlfriends here that I go to dog shows with have completely different breeds. Right. Well, not surprisingly, no other toy Manchester people here, but yes, I do think that that's a really important thing. You know, competition I often hear people talk about good sportsmanship and, you know, how we should all rise above and be these wondrous shining examples of humanity, Gandhi at the dog show. And I think that's kind of an unrealistic expectation of humanity. I think that if we look at history, like thousands of years of history, we will see that competition does not always reveal the best aspects of our own characters. That is right. I'd like to think that we all strive to be the best people that we can be. But I also think that we're human. Sadly, weekly human, as they say. (laughs) Nobody entered the dog show hoping they were going to lose. Even my glorious sunshiny self has been known to be a little cranky. That's right. The important part is you take your cranky face and you put it somewhere that it cannot be displayed to the world. That's right. That is sort of a rule. That's right. But having friends who are in another breed who can talk you down off the ledge when you're being an asshole. Or lock you in your truck. (laughs) And, you know, really, sometimes you just need someone to say, like, get over yourself. It's a dog show. Who cares? You know, I think that that whole network is, it's huge. It's a network that you have at the dog show with you. Yes. And it's also the network that you have when you go home. But think carefully about the people that you surround yourself with. One of the things that I encourage people to try to do is to avoid drama. Yes. I had a sign for many, many years that hung, a vinyl printed sign, hung 10 feet across on my back deck that said drama-free zone. That's how strongly I feel about it. Well, and look, there's a time and a place for drama. I mean, we all, every one of us have moments where we're just not our best selves. I mean, you got to let steam off somewhere, whoever it may be, maybe it's to your husband or your wife, or maybe it's to your best friend in your truck in the privacy of a parking lot, three miles from the The windows rolled up. (laughs) Preferably not on your cell phone in a public bathroom stall. Exactly. I'm going to say again, it's a matter of being appropriate, but also realistic that these things happen, but you will have by far more fun and a better time If you are with people who can help you with those challenges when they happen and not encourage help grow. And that you share those things. Like everybody has them. And when you have a group, you can share them amongst yourselves. And that's good. And we try to avoid being the mean girl click or something like that. But truly and honestly, the goal of having a support system within the sport and as you say, outside the sport are both really super important. Right. But to circle back to where we started, because I feel like we're about 29 miles from where we (laughs) Well, you know, there were a couple squirrels along the way. I think that the basic foundations of success as an owner handler are recognizing that you can do it. You need to put the work in. You're going to learn 
to be a good handler, a good trainer, a good groomer. Those are realistic goals. And eventually, if you put in the work, you will become a great handler and a great groomer and a great trainer, and you'll have a great show dog. And it might not be the first one you have. It might be the second or third. Absolutely. And I think that that is, again, in a society that can sometimes be just the teeny tiniest little bit instant gratification. It's a hard sell. It's a hard sell. And when we talk about dog shows, I think to myself, man, I can't imagine why nobody wants to do this. What's wrong with these people? (laughs) I heard Ann Rogers Clark once give an interview and she was talking about a great dog and she kind of made the comment that the dog was well-bred, well-handled and Mm well-owned. And it struck me that those are the requirements for, you know, some of the great winners in the sport. But that there are many great dogs that are not ever on the campaign trail looking to be number one dog. I'll brief. Absolutely. And so, again, we kind of go back to this idea of what is success? And it's different for every single person. Maybe it's success is finishing a championship or getting a major or winning an owner handler series. A local specialty. I mean, you know, there's a lot of... And again, this is in one of those early podcasts that I think it's super important if you need to go back and download it or re-listen to it, absolutely understand what you have, what your competition is, Mm -hmm. what your goals are, and how you're going to get there. And make sure you have fun while you're doing it. That's the one. All right, y'all. Thank you so much, Amanda. I always, always, always have so much fun chasing squirrels with you. Look, I never have so much fun rambling. we don't call it rambling that sounds low class we are chasing squirrels okay (laughs) awesome you have a great day my dear thank you you too all right crew let's share the love shall we episode 500 is oh my god rapidly approaching (laughs) and i was searching for inspiration on what to talk about in this episode And I decided that there is nothing more inspiring to me than the stories you guys have shared about Pure Dog Talk and its impact in your lives. So, it's decided. We're having a contest! What, what, what? Write your story for me to share on air as part of our historic number 500 celebration episode. All submissions will be judged by a panel of celebrity listeners. Judges will select three stories to be included in part or in entirety in the episode. There's something you don't see every day. Episode 500 will air on October 25th. Deadline for story entries is October 1st. Submissions should be sent to laura at puredogtalk.com. I can't wait. To share the love. As always, if you have any questions or input, we'd love to hear from you. The show notes and links to resources on today's topic are available at puredogtalk.com. Drop us a note in the comments or email to laura at puredogtalk.com. Remember, guys, this podcast is for you. So if you want to know something, give me a holler. We'll do a podcast for you. If you wouldn't mind, you could help me out here. Take a couple minutes to visit iTunes and give us a review. 
The Dog Show Superintendents Association is a proud supporter of Pure Dog Talk. Our dog show superintendents are the hardworking people who make the dog show function. They are advocates for education and mentorship in the purebred dog fancy. So stop by the Supers desk at your next show. Tell them how much you love Pure Dog Talk and give them a shout out for their support. That's all for today. Thank you for joining us on Pure Dog Talk. 